Hey, good afternoon, and welcome back to another episode of EFI. I'm Nathan, I will be your host, and today I will be solo, as I could uh, certainly be doing a better job of scheduling guests, that is for sure. So on my own for today, the problem, as it usually is, is picking something to chew on, as it were, a subject, because I don't like manufacturing subjects just for the point of listing them like an article, uh, but also, as most human adults know, you just have too many thoughts in your head at one time, and uh, concentrating them into some sort of useful form is often very difficult. So I was at a bit of a loss as to what to carry on about today, until I had a terrific chat with a friend this morning. The subject came up of the approach that one takes towards a sport like triathlon, or any sport or craft in general, really, to look at it as a craft to be mastered rather than a purely physical endeavor. And by craft, I mean to become proficient in a way that not only makes you very good at it, but also allows you to offer something of value to the world beyond yourself whether it's people being inspired by your performance, uh, the ability to take away coaching insights to, uh, to pay forward to future athletes. Uh, if we're talking at the professional level, then to be able to, to represent good people, promote good brands, and increase the quality of life and livelihood for many others and, and not limit what you get out of the sport to just yourself. So what I've done is I've jotted down five random thoughts on that approach, on, on chasing, chasing mastery at anything. I wouldn't consider myself a master at anything, but I sure as hell gave it a go over the course of a decade when I devoted everything I had to becoming better at a sport. And I guess an underlying point here is that if you devote yourself with that kind of fervor to any sort of craft, then no matter the level of success you achieve, you will be able to take something away from it that can be offered to the world. And so having said all that, here are five thoughts in no particular order of importance uh, that I came up with on the subject of chasing mastery. Thought one, don't confuse self-centeredness with selfishness. So to get good at anything requires a certain degree of self-centeredness. That you're optimizing yourself to be able to take on the pursuit of something that will demand that you go to and past your limits in order to achieve it. So if you don't have your game wired tight, there is no way that you will do your craft any sort of justice. And if anything, that's even more true in something like a team sport than it is in an individual pursuit. In a proper team, and by that I mean not just a, a group of individuals clumped together, but an, an actual well-oiled machine of a team, if you were to ask the members, the greatest fear of each would very likely be being the weak link in the chain. If you ask any kind of military unit, particularly those at the very top, uh, more so than the fear for their own safety is not being proficient enough to be able to keep their teammates alive. And in the best teams in any arena, you will find that fear of not letting the others down to be a highly motivating force. And in order to do that, it's necessary to make sure that you are at your individual best. 
That's self-centeredness. Now, and here I jump back to the individual sports, the same rule applies, but it's generally misinterpreted in that if you are a, a runner or a cyclist or a triathlete, and especially in sports and segments of sports where there's not a lot of money to be made, the idea of relentlessly pursuing improvement as an individual is mischaracterized as selfish. And I've actually, on occasion, heard athletes that I work with stating that they consider what they're doing to be a selfish pursuit. This is usually in conjunction with preparing for a specific event. And at the risk of spilling over into thought number two, I would say they couldn't be more wrong in that assessment. And arguably, if an individual can't come to terms with the need to be relentlessly self-centered, then they will lapse into selfishness. Because if you cannot grow yourself to match the challenge that you've set before you, you help no one, not even yourself, and you wallow in mediocrity. And that arguably is an incredibly selfish move, to self-indulge without offering anything in return. Even the inspirational value of going after something previously beyond your limits. And so I've always had a, a bit of a bone to pick with that, with proponents of that idea, that individual pursuits of any kind are selfish. And I'm open to this being entirely wrong, but true mastery and true excellence never have a net result of benefiting only the person seeking them. There is always some kind of spillover that will better the existences of the people that they come into contact with. And unfortunately, that's really, it's not very quantifiable. It's not super measurable, but it exists. And because it exists, when someone throws themselves into the pursuit of mastery, it's essential to be self-centered. And without that necessary self-centeredness, it becomes a limited, selfish pursuit that benefits no one. Thought two, steal fire from the gods. Now, I forget where I even read it, but there was some sort of offhand reference to the Prometheus myth from Greek mythology. Like most myths, there are a number of different versions of it, and they paint him in different lights. But I guess the most common one is that he was the titan who stole fire from the gods to give to humans. And in that in that version of the myth, he's hailed as somewhat of a hero to humanity because of it, for taking back something that the gods felt they needed to withhold from humanity. And he was severely punished for it. You could say he had um, severe liver troubles for it, but uh, in the myth, humanity owes him for being daring enough to defy Zeus and the gods of Mount Olympus. All that to say that there is a price for mastery and that because, as I mentioned in the previous point, because there is the potential for others to be helped by it, that price is worth paying. And usually in sports, it's a it's a physical toll, although I'd argue that the psychological effects of 
relentlessly pursuing something for a large segment of your life uh, is just as considerable a toll and in some cases and in some cases it becomes too much for individuals and the the most striking example for me is the the people that I know who have attempted to make Olympic teams. It's as if the very fire that they try to steal has burnt them. And because of that, they have been unable to share that fire. And some some people effortlessly withstand that toll. And when it's time for them to leave whatever craft they've devoted themselves to, they, they do so, they find something new to pursue, or they find people to share the fire with who give their life a new meaning or more meaning than it had and I guess because again this is not this is not a five things to do that will guarantee to improve your pursuit of mastery list this is five random thoughts that I've had it is so important to be able to see the potential for what you have done to positively affect others I think, again, to skip back to the previous point, a lot of people are lost thinking that they've devoted, for some, the bulk of their lives to a a selfish pursuit and they're unable to look beyond the investment that they asked of themselves and others and they can't see where they can take what they use that investment for and make the world around them a bit better. I think that's one of the reasons that there's so much post-sporting life depression. I had a a relatively easy transition out of triathlon after 13 years in it, with all 13 of those years being dedicated to my sport above all else. Because at the very start, I was someone who felt that they had nothing to offer the world, but somehow instinctively knew that if I gave this new pursuit my all, that something good would come of it and that I would eventually have something to offer others because of it. And that's exactly how it bore out. And I was also able to see the moment that it stopped being about growth and excellence and mastery and started to be something else, something toxic. And I was able to get out when I did before I could get burnt as it was. And Within a year or two, I was able to share so many of the insights that I had picked up along the way with others and to a certain degree enrich the lives of people that I came into contact with, which was everything that I wanted when I took up the sport. But regardless of whether or not we actually do get burnt, I think it's so important to never lose sight of the fact that the goal The goal of any pursuit like that is to steal fire from the gods. To openly defy the limits that we face in our existence and see what we can bring back from that defiance. And I I think that maybe it would be constructive for a lot of people to to look up because maybe we're, we're training towards a goal with our eyes in the dirt and going about our business in just a way to get through the days on this earth when maybe it would behoove us to look upwards at Olympus, as it were, and to see what the gods have withheld from us. And maybe then we can 
train in a way so as to take it back and share it with others. I got a lot more chewing to do on this particular thought, but wanted to put it out there. Uh, number three, winning is everything until it isn't. There's actually some quote from Sir Roger Bannister, who, for those that don't know, was the first person to run under four minutes for the mile. And I'd have to look the quote up, but he said something to the effect of sport is something that really doesn't matter until the moment that you begin it, and then it is everything for the time that you're doing it. And I think within sport or within any competitive milieu, the same should be true about winning. And maybe to, to back up and flesh that out, I've got a sign that's going up in my training area, and it's four lines. It says, to lose, train to do your best. To do your best, train to win. To win, train to dominate. To dominate, train to devour the world. And maybe I've read like one too many Tim Grover books, but I think even if we undertake the pursuit of a craft or a sport or something to be excellent in, oftentimes we don't move with enough urgency and we don't create the conditions necessary to provoke the kind of dissatisfaction and soul searching required to bring the best out of ourselves. And the reason why I had the line to lose, train to do your best in there is because when it's not put up against anything in the real world, our best is just limited to what our creative minds can come up with. And oftentimes that's nowhere near the best of what we can bring forth. And so I'd argue that in certain facets of life, competition is essential and the desire and the will to win are essential. Because if somebody is doing something better than you, it follows that they're closer to doing it as good as a human could ever do it than you are. And one of my goals in taking up triathlon was to see how close I could get to the best that the sport had ever been done. And the answer to that was not particularly close. Got reasonably good at it, but there were certainly levels upon levels above where I got to. Which leads me to the second part of this thought, that's ultimately irrelevant. The point is that having winning as a goal and pitting your best against the best of others is what creates the kind of environment in which excellence is possible. And the caveat is that this needs to be done in a way which leaves you mentally healthy. It's not particularly normal to be super competitive, to want to win, and to want to win badly. But maybe it's something that can and should be cultivated. And I'm, I'm not even going to get into participation trophies and whatnot. And I can frankly wait a decade or so before I have any kind of conversation with my kids about competition. But when I do, I will insist that striving to win in the best manner possible will bring out the very best in them. And obviously there are different ways to win with different levels of sportsmanship. But when I say win, what I mean is to win in a way that makes everybody involved 
want the game to go on. And that's the winning is everything until it isn't part. Because from experience, a win doesn't mean that much right after you've won. Like within the within the hour after a triathlon win, I would be focusing on the next next event, heck, the next training day. Actually, within an hour, I would probably be training after a race win. And one of the thrills of winning was knowing that the incredibly competent athlete who got second was going to train out of their skin for a year to try and beat me and that I would have to raise my game to fend off that attack. Same thing if I was the one who came in second. And I'll try to save that for this next point. The goal of winning is so much more important than an actual win because the act of winning or the particular moment of a win is a completed step closer to the best that you could ever be and the best that those around you could ever be. And aspiring to win, training to win, bending your every thought to becoming somebody who can win is taking that step. It's that, that imperative, that, that moving forward because you must. Right now, that's something that the individual can do, is set a goal of competing to win. And if that's not enough, Train to dominate. If that's not enough, train to eat the world. Because that is what the people who have brought the absolute best out of themselves have done. That need for, that urgent need for victory. From the moment that your competition begins until the moment that it ends. And even in your everyday, that desire to move your best closer to the best should be ever-present. And it's, it's something that does need to be tempered. It's, it's very dangerous. This is, the, this is the part where that fire can burn out of control. But properly harnessed, it is the most powerful push forward on a journey towards mastery at a sport or a craft. That using the best of others to push your best towards the pinnacle is something completely essential. Four, losing in service to mastery isn't losing. This will probably be the shortest point, although that's weird because it's kind of the most important point. When I quit the sport of triathlon, it was actually a reasonably successful season. I was working with a brilliant coach, uh, but I was completely self-sabotaging mentally. Just I was going through a number of shifts in my life and wasn't doing the best job of figuring it all out or or maybe was doing a reasonable job but just sometimes these things take time and in that time it was negatively affecting my mindset towards triathlon and in the races that I did not win I wound up doing terrible at and not terrible as in you gave your best and you just weren't good enough or something went catastrophically wrong terrible as in you are no longer doing this in the pursuit of of mastery because you let something get in the way of your drive to grow as a human being so whether it's just caring about results caring about the win in other words rather than the act of training to win or 
as I was inching up towards the bottom of the pro ranks at the time, you know, finances, what have you, whatever the reason, I was no longer losing races and coming away from them with that, with that incredible drive to work for the win, which is what had characterized my previous years in the sport and what, what is an element of arguably anybody who's really good at what they do is that that when they take a loss they understand that it's in service to something far beyond just a single event and the fire burns hotter and it did not take long for me to realize this and get the heck out of the sport because that is when as i said earlier self a self-centered pursuit becomes selfish and that's when the quality of your life starts to degrade and it will only drag others down. So it's the antithesis of why you wanted to pursue mastery in the first place. Whereas losing in service to mastery is a net gain. It's that little dip before that upwards trajectory. It's where all of the lessons are learned. I keep thinking back to a race. I finished one place behind uh, a local competitor, really great guy. He beat me in the race by 40 seconds. And the difference in prize money was $500. So until we met again in a race the year afterwards, it wasn't something that I completely obsessed with. I had in the back of my mind that I lost $80 per second when he beat me by 40 seconds in that previous race. And that was just one one coal on the fire for me that entire off-season but the net result was the best year of my career. When you let any kind of defeat or loss be converted into fuel rather than completely annihilate you. When you keep the big picture in mind and are actually happy that the game gets to go on and that there is farther upward to go. When you get to that happy dissatisfaction, you're enjoying the heck out of it, but As soon as you get the chance to fix that mistake, you are going to take it and take it emphatically, which is what I wound up doing. And there were periods of the career where it was either easier or harder to keep that perspective. But for the most part, particularly in the at the times when the greatest improvements came, it was because of a loss or two or many that was able to be kept in perspective. And I've uh, I've rediscovered that through jiu-jitsu recently over the past couple of years, where if you can take that mindset into every lesson, there will be no limit to your capacity to improve. In jiu-jitsu, you will lose a lot, or you will be temporarily defeated many, 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 many times. And it's imperative to shelve each defeat or use it as fuel for that winning fire and not let it diminish that desire to inch your best upwards against everybody else's best and play the game to win so that we all win. Because losing in service to mastery sets you and everyone else up to win. And number five, Ride on. 
So one of my favorite quotes from the book Lord of the Rings involves one of the hobbits who uh, in one scene is riding off with the riders of Rohan to go give aid to the falling city of Gondor. And as he goes, his friends are, are talking among themselves. And the specific quote is, He knows not to what end he rides. But if he knew, he would ride on. And it's one of my favorite quotes in any book. Because there are times when you give your all to a pursuit, when you've completely committed with everything you have, there are times when you are going to feel as if you are the only person on earth, afraid, alone, and that there is no one else who you're able to communicate this this fear and this sense of being faced with a, a great unknown to, and that perhaps if you strayed away from your journey, it would it would all be better. It would just, in the, I suppose in much the same way that if you, that if you're in a race and you're hurting and you just want to stop, you just want to quit, the temptation could be overwhelming and, and that feeling of overwhelm can just cut the entire universe off from you. And there's a, there's a kind of loneliness in that pain that just eats at your soul. But I, I can't stress how necessary that pain is, how necessary it is to go through that loneliness and what, what incredible things are on the other side of that and how worthwhile that journey and all of the fear and the pain within it is. And I'll end with a quote from the battle to which Mary was riding with uh, Eowyn and King Theoden and all the forces of Rohan to, to come to the timely aid of Gondor and turn the tide. And as they're, they're lining up on the hill, getting ready to charge, and again, not knowing to what end they ride, King Theoden, after he's gotten his companies into position, he yells forth, and fear no darkness. Arise, arise, riders of Theoden. Spears shall be shaken, shields shall be splintered, a sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. Towards the end of the battle, Theoden lays dying, and he's being seen to by Eowyn, who herself, after showing extreme courage and badassery, is also quite hurt. But she cares more for him in that moment, as he uh, says his last words. And this is a character who was always fearful of living with the regret of not having fought in great battles or done great deeds and in not doing so dishonoring his ancestors. And his final words are, I go now to my fathers in whose mighty company I shall no longer feel ashamed. And the reason that I'm mentioning this along with his words from the charge and the words that were spoken about the hobbit Mary as he rode off the battle, is that on the road to mastery, like on any road worth taking in life, there will be darkness. And sometimes that darkness is, sometimes it stretches our 
ability to comprehend it. And that's true in the journey of an individual through a craft and all of the sacrifices that it entails to master it. And it's also true in life, which for everyone ranges from difficult to incredibly brutal and unfair. And as I've mentioned in a couple of episodes, it's our willingness to ride out to meet that darkness in whatever capacity that we can that will ensure that we end the journey with at least some measure of success, of having brought the best out of us, of having been able to serve others, and of ending the journey knowing that we have given everything we could and brought the best out of ourselves. And wherever we're going, we will no longer feel ashamed. The journey ends with no regrets. And so that's my last thought of these five scattered thoughts, is that when you have fully committed to the journey and the darkness threatens to overwhelm you, ride on because the willingness to do so makes all the difference. Well, that got a lot heavier than I kind of intended, but it's worth exploring. Again, this is not a five-step manual to any sort of... It's not a five-step manual to mastery. It's just five scattered, harebrained ideas trying to flesh out an approach that I haven't given enough thought to. But I'm always going to be a proponent of the idea that it is how we do what we do that is important, whatever it is we choose to concern ourselves with. I'm glad that I had the chance to uh, mull these thoughts over, and I'm very grateful to my friend for uh, giving me the opportunity to chew on these things and on my approach to triathlon, to sport, to life, to a greater degree. I'm always appreciative of uh, people who give me cause to think further so that's today's solo rant. I will have a guest chat coming up next week with uh, someone who's yet to be named. You'll likely find out on the day of. I'm busy trying to put that together right now. Talking to a couple of different people, but don't have a set goal as to who among them I will record with next. But I will puzzle over that. In the meantime, I hope these ideas were of used to you. I do encourage you to chew them over, pick them apart, give me some feedback on what you thought. I'm at Nate Champness on Instagram. Please feel free to let me know what you think. Other than that, nothing. So until the next episode, profound slogan, and I will talk to you next week's.